Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, friends. This is the Tennis and Bigos podcast, and I am your host, Andre, and I am here joined um, by my two co-hosts this time. Vansh is here. He's been doing well with his midterms, and so is Owen. How, is, how, how are you guys doing? How, how Vansh, hi, Vansh. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, really. Man, my, my tongue just got tied here. Really, really excited to finally be back on the show. Um, missed, missed it last time. Really wanted to come for the, for the draw preview. Super exciting. Great buildup you guys did uh so good job on that and uh yeah i'm i'm glad that midterms are finally over and i can i was able to catch a little bit of sleep here and there although sleep is quite rare during during slams but i'm quite excited uh, especially because now we're yeah. on what day seven or day eight of the tournament and it's really catching fire now yeah it, it, it's great to be here great to have you back Vonch. um the australian open is my favorite tournament of the year so it's been really fun watching tennis even with the brutal time change uh it's one of my favorite parts of the year so yeah. re- really excited to be doing this yeah same really sad that it's it's my favorite slam as well because it's it's just such a terrible time zone <laughs> mm-hmm. for us like every year I, I tell myself that i'm gonna stay late for for the semifinals and the final and i always fall asleep uh-huh. the only times that i didn't fall asleep was a bad match so it, it's kind <laughs> of me jinxing it so um so yeah we just finished the first week uh, of the australian open up to the fourth round and we had a little uh, a few surprises and couple injuries a lot of stuff just happened as always like in grand slams so what do you guys think like how do you guys uh ass- how do you guys assess this first week of uh, the australian open pandemic and all like uh, quarantine hard quarantine i think vansh had tweeted a a stat about um players who were in, in hard quarantine right yeah so i mean right away right off the bat you could see clearly when you were looking at the days and the action that was that, that started um it actually started like on super bowl sunday for us here i remember uh, and back then, I mean, I was keen on keeping a track of, you know, which players would come out strong out of the hard quarantine. Um, you know, how many of the seeds would, would fall out like early on just because of the, the lack of preparation and the, you know, being stuck in the room for 14 days and as well as compare that with the people in Adelaide and compare that. But as I found going along, um, it was, it, there was just so much other action to follow that I couldn't really keep a full extensive, extensive track of it. But on the first day itself, I mean, we saw like Allison Risk and Kerber lose. Kerber lost in a very strange fashion, I thought, um, uh, to Bernardo Pera, if I'm correct on that. And it, it was like six love, two love within like 25, 30 minutes. And this is like an Australian Open champion of 2016. And there was a stat like she had won eight games. Uh, Pera had won eight games and um, her opponent had only won eight points. Which is which is crazy. So that set off the scene right away for like there's going to be a lot of upsets, especially in the women's draw where there's so much depth. 
And you could you could quite easily see the contrast with the bottom half of the draw being so stacked, obviously, because you've got so many Grand Slam champions in there with Serena, Halep, and uh, Sviantec. And, you know, they all did pretty well and made it pretty far. Osaka as well. Anytime you have a section like that, I mean... And then you have a top half, which is basically just Barty being the only slam champion. And there was Azarenka as well, who lost early. But uh, so the women's women's side, we got to see a lot of amazing matches. I mean, especially the fourth round. Um, I thought, you know, three of the four uh, matches that, that we saw um, in the fourth round were like potential slam finals. So from the women's side, it's been incredibly exciting. And then it's been exciting to follow the men's with, uh, with Djokovic and Nadal and Medvedev and team going out and so yeah there's a there's a lot of stories i mean what did you make of it owen i yeah you summed it up really well i think there's a lot going on as always in the first week of a major um like you said about the the women's draw the fourth round we had these matchups Sabalenka and serena uh, Muguruza and osaka and uh, halif and Sviantec, and these were all really really high caliber matches that like you said could have been major finals or semifinals, and that i'm really excited to see again already so i'm thinking if this is what the tournament had in store for the fourth round i can't wait to see the quarters and the semis in the final i think so far the men's draw hasn't been quite as intriguing we've had yeah. we've had a really amazing fairy tale run from aslan karatsev We've had a top seed in Dominic team go out early, yeah. although before that he played a five-set thriller against Nick Kyrgios Nick with a really, really boisterous crowd. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. L- little, um, a little bit of maybe bad behavior from the crowd at times, but th- that was that was really exciting to watch. We've had some injury scares from Nadal and Djokovic, so there's, there's a lot to follow. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think... Uh... One of the things that stood out for me was the the amount of people who were like I mean because we we all know that the WTA has been showing lots of uh, good signs of great players for a while now, but it's it's probably one of the first times that we actually feel like somebody else can win a, a major tournament in the men's tour and not be like a complete surprise. Yeah. Say for example, every time Davarinka won a tournament, a major, it wasn't necessarily that. People believed that he was a favorite, but he did it anyways. But <laughs> this time, lots of people were coming in expecting Zver- uh, not Zverev, but Medvedev winning, or even Team. So like y- you put this pool of people up to like four more people, even though Djokovic and Nadal have been still very dominant. And I think it, it really comes down to like whether um, they can uh, keep up with the pressure and raise their level, which they've been showing signs of doing really well, except for team who had just already lost, but mm-hmm. Medvedev is still going strong. Um, and obviously there's the injury scares. I don't think Nadal is quite at the level that he needs to be to win this tournament. Yeah. I think he will find a, a lot more difficult to win right now than he would have if he was completely... I'm not sure if he's still like too injured or feeling his, his back... But even if he is fully fit, I feel like his 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 level is just not there yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, maybe it's the lack of maybe it's the lack of matches. Maybe maybe it's like a little bit of like a um, stiff. Uh, you know, his his form is just not there. Something is is not quite clicking for him yet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just on Nadal really right. quickly. I think I would I would generally agree with that assessment. So far, he hasn't been pushed enough or tested enough. Really, I mean, if you look at his first three rounds, I mean, he was playing guys, you know, well below his. His level. So even if it was, um, even if it, if some things were were not what we're used to be, what we're used to be seeing, specifically those serve speeds, um, they were down in their first in his first couple of matches. He played the first match at day, second match at 
second and third match uh, at night. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, he's been he's been talking about this going into the tournament for, for a while. He didn't play any matches at the ATP Cup as well. He's been mentioning mm-hmm. that stiff back um, pretty much almost every press conference. And, um, you know, he's been saying that he's been doing everything possible to get that in, in a good condition to be able to play. And then just like every day, he's just hoping that it would just get, get better and better. The good thing is that after his, uh, before his match with Fonini, he really felt like he's he has a lot more positive feelings about it and thinks that, uh, it, you know, the pain is going away and he can free up. And, you know, you're seeing some of the ways that he's able to adapt even without, you know, necessarily his serve speed being at the top. Although against Fonini, his miles per hour was back where it needs to be, I guess. But there's just, yeah, there's, there's some parts of his game that are still a little bit shaky and uh, there for the taking. Like mm-hmm. you notice in that second set against yeah. Fonini, he was, you know, you know, quite honestly, Fonini should have won that second set. Yeah. But... Yeah, absolutely. Um, Twice. Yes, exactly. And, and so <laughs> yeah. I think so far he's been helped a little bit by the draw. Um, and so so I think I think we'll see a big step up now, quarter semis and finals, and we'll yeah, really yeah. know where his 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 level is at. Yeah. You know, particularly this yeah. time of the year is strange yeah. because you you see most of the players they come in super healthy and fit and ready, but mm-hmm. uh, for Nadal he always seems to have this uh, uh, this finish after the end of this end of the season where he's a little more injury prone, specifically um, you know the second half of the year. Yeah years and you know sometimes he plays late into the year with the ATP finals and the you know sometimes Davis Cup afterwards and he he sometimes just doesn't seem to be healthy here he's had a bad streak mm-hmm. of like the last 10 years you know it's never been yeah. quite fully right in Australia yeah yeah I, it's it, that's true I, the one thing just coming back to uh maybe the 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 variety of players it's definitely like one of the things that is very exciting also in the WTA is um the fact that the favorite players are still mostly in the draw mm-hmm. and the ones that they were they are now out is because they were beaten by players who are also big favorites for example Sviantek just lost to Halep right. and uh, uh, Sabalenka lost to Williams which is quite a lot of interesting things and it's interesting like in terms of uh, Svitolina we had a I, I tweeted to one of your uh, to one of your predictions, Vansh, that I, 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 I could smell an, an upset from Pegula against Svitolina. And lo and behold, that happened. I just think Svitolina's game <laughs> is falling short of being able to win in Grand Slams because she's not being... She's not aggressive at all. And uh, at the same time, I feel like she's she's going to join um, Pliskova in those players who are never, being, never going to be able to actually perform very well in a Grand Slam to win it. Yeah, so, I think I think you summed it up well. Yeah. She's she's a good like top ten player. You can always kind of bank on her the first three rounds to kind of get mm-hmm. through fourth round. But it seems like there's a ceiling at the slams. Yeah. You know, it seems like she yeah. hits yeah. a certain point where, you know, she doesn't rise to the occasion in quite the way. Like she doesn't raise her game. For example, like I look at her and Kennan. Yeah. I look at her and Sofia Kennan, and I'm like, they're pretty similar in a lot of ways. They don't do anything spectacular. Yeah, yeah. But what Kennan? But what, Kennan can yeah, hit exactly. Winners. What Kennan has <laughs> is that. You know, you saw that game at two all love forty five winners in a row in the finals of the Australian Open. You know, last year, last year, the yeah. third set, back against the wall, and she just backs herself. She goes for, her, she 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 goes full throttle on her shots, and she has that ability to go up three four gears if need be. And it just seems like Svitolina is not willing to take that chance. You know what I mean? Like not willing to mm-hmm. get out of her mm-hmm. comfort zone, step in, and you know, produce something, produce maybe hit closer to the lines. Maybe she's always looking for a way to get back in the rally and stay neutral and. You know, she's, it always feels like she's trying to stay with her opponent, and it just feels like if her if her opponent catches fire, there's not much she can really do to stop it. And it, it didn't seem at all in that match against Pagula. It seemed like Pagula was taking 
charge of most of the rallies in the in the third set. I have to give Pogula a lot of credit because I felt like after Svitolina oh, yeah. won that second set, I really felt like okay, Svitolina can turn this match around. You know, a little bit like mm-hmm. uh, Halep was able to do against uh, Sviantek. But uh, what what I felt yeah. is like Pogula. I mean, she's she's more of a flat ball striker, but but uh, she can come forward. She can come at, she can come to the net. She was very successful at the net. I think she won like twenty one out of twenty nine points up there. So she was able to take time away. She was able to uh, step in, dictate with her inside out forehand, inside in forehand, really like, really push Svitolina way behind the baseline. You know, really just the battle of court position was stark. Oh, yeah. And so you could you could you could mm-hmm. really see like when a player gets hot and when, you know, she's had chances to go further. And I look at last year the French Open, she drew Podoroska in the quarterfinals, and you're thinking like this is a really good chance, but it just seems like you know every time. She just falls a little bit short in the fourth round, quarterfinals, semifinals. That kind of gear, where I I, I want to see her. I want to see that loss kind of crush her. You know, I, like this this loss mm-hmm. should crush her and it should make her, you know, really question how she goes about, uh, you know, raising her game. Mm-hmm. Because you look at her outside of the slam, she's won a lot of titles, right, Andre? I mean, she's won like oh, yeah. fifteen titles on the WTA tour. She won the World Tour finals. And a couple premieres, premier big yeah, titles big, as well. Big, so. big titles like premier mandatories, and then she also yeah. won the WTA finals, which was huge for her in twenty eighteen. Yeah. And then yeah. got to the finals again, but it it just seems like that next level is missing from her still. Yeah, yeah it, it does seem like she hasn't yet had a loss where she's thought, I never want to feel this way again. Exactly. And um, like you said, with, with the Pagula match, it sort of does seem that she doesn't yet know what she has to do in the big moments, or she's not willing to find out in these big matches, and Pagula was willing to take those chances. I didn't see the match, so I'm going off of what you said. But I do think at some point there will need to be a switch, and she'll have to lay everything on the line in those big points and risk risk learning that even her best isn't good enough and so far i'm not totally sure she's taken that chance and she will have to yeah that, that's what i felt like mm. she didn't she didn't she wasn't willing to take that risk and, and chance that yes yeah. it's something you have to do i mean you and have to come out of your yeah. comfort zone i look at someone like simona halep right similar kind of game style similar type of mold of player you know what got her to the next level with darren kale is she trusted herself in the big moments she got over the line because she took those risks she took those chances she mm-hmm. improved. Uh, she everything went from a kind of uh, you know a B level offense to a sort of A minus a, a. Even if it means you have to redline in those big moments and go for lines a little more, you, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe hit bigger second mm-hmm. serves. Like it's it's just you have to be willing to gamble a little bit, you know. Yeah, and and Halep yeah. took the pain as well at the 2018 Australian Open. She played marathon matches. She got really close to the title. She was up a break in the third set of the final, and she lost, and it was devastating for her. But like she rebounded and she took confidence from it and she won the very next major and you ha- mm. you have to be able to take the pain before you can win a big title i think in a lot of cases that has to happen so yeah and i mean i mean yeah i think it's a it's it's a little bit of like a, what zverev probably is, is is going through right now in a sense like as a tennis player uh and just trying to like i feel like he can he can have a like an outside shot but he's still a pretty pretty dangerous player and you mentioned a, a player that was similar to to Svitolina, and uh, I think it's important to maybe chat a little bit about her. And uh, it's it's Cannon, mm-hmm. um, of course, a defending champion, lost in the second round to Kanepi, I think. Yes. And uh, she she hasn't been having like the greatest time uh, lately. Yeah. She kind of hit a little bit of a slump and not, doesn't necessarily believe in herself anymore. And what do you guys think about it? I I read a lot about um, feeling the pressure of being a champion. Yeah, 
what um, do you guys think about that? In a way, it was good for me to see it because I, it shows that she really cares. So, you know, as disheartened as I was to see her cry in our press conference, I, I really felt for her because I felt like here's, mm. a, here's a person who backed herself up really nicely last year. I mean, she won the Australian Open. She won another title after that, which is not easy to do at all. And then the obviously the COVID pandemic uh, basically halted her momentum. And then, you know, she didn't have the best U.S. summer swing, but then she goes to the finals of the French. And that's a great mm-hmm. result to back up your first major. And so I thought she was on the right track. And then, you know, it just seems like she never really found, she never really had it at, in Australia. I just felt like and coming up against Kai Kanepi, it's not a bad loss per se, but I was just disappointed mm-hmm. that she wasn't able to compete and make it more of a fight than the score suggested it to be. 6-3, 6-2, I believe, in, in favor of Kanepi. And I mean, look, Kanepi is a great, Kanepi is known for pulling off um, upsets early rounds of, early rounds of majors she has i mean she beat sabalenka in a baseline power duel so that's mm-hmm. you know that shows you like she's and she's 35 years of age she has you know experience knocking off big seeds early on and she's basically to tell you how much people fear Kanepi. actually uh darren cahill was on the call at espn and he he said he made this remark that uh, every time simona comes into a major she always asks me where's Kanepi in the draw which is really telling which is really telling it shows you what a dangerous floater you know Kanepi can be but uh, but regardless of that I just feel like Kenan you know needs some time to get into her you know you know there's always a little bit of a slump um you know after winning your mm. first one and I and I just think like mm. uh in Australia it was the the way she framed it as you know like she's feeling a, a lot of pressure to do well and back up her, her results it, a lot of people were kind of putting. She was still under the radar, you know, because you still have your Serena and your Osaka's and your, you know, you know other players that people generally talk about more still, even though Kenan's won a major. So mm-hmm. I just feel like maybe maybe she just needs a break, you know, maybe just needs some some time off mm. or reset. She did play. She she's somebody who likes to play like every week. I mean, uh-huh. she just played in the Phillip Island Trophy, which is another two fifty going on at the same time right now, at the Australian Open, and she yeah. lost to somebody I've never heard of. Um, I don't even yeah. remember her name. I suppose that but... she, I would imagine that she tried to play this tournament just to try to um, get a win and just feel a little yeah. bit better about herself. But it definitely didn't go the way she planned. Yeah, so, I, I feel yeah. the same way. And Vaughn, she said a lot of things I was thinking. I think the loss to Kanepi is not necessarily the issue. I think the scoreline is. She went down without a ton of resistance. And I think the Roland Garros final, she made really raised expectations for her to do well in australia she was coming back here as the defending champion she'd performed well at other slams which at another slam which spoke well to her consistency but yeah like i the pressure to do well is really really hard to resist and in situations like that a player really just has to trust her game or their game and kenan needs to tell herself like my game has been good enough to win before it will be good enough good enough to win again and that is way easier said than done but i think that's what she needs to live and breathe if she wants to avoid more losses like that yeah i completely agree just a a couple of things i wanted to add a little bit um because you brought up a great point um it's just that you 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 see you know kenan players like kenan and even svitolina at times and even you know players like elise spartans the players who you know have a ceiling on on their aggression um match to match you know, you can see them scrap and win matches 7-5 in the third regularly, but you can also see times where they're just blown off the court and they come up against a, a you know, a player that's just too strong and overwhelming in power on that day. And you see those score lines, right? Like you, I think it's important to remember both. We remember Kenan, the scrappy, fighty, 
com- fighter or competitor that she is who got to the French Open final, but also somebody who lost love and love to Azarenka in Rome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I see a little bit of both with her and I'm just, I, I just, I'm waiting to calibrate my expectations and just kind of see like, how does she navigate this? Because I feel like some of it is a little bit like the imp- imposter syndrome. If you guys are familiar with that, like mm-hmm. almost not yeah. really fully, fully believing like in your, you know, believing that you are there, like you belong, you've made it, you know, and it, it just takes time to, to come, to come to terms with that. And so I, and so I feel like I just hope she doesn't take it too hard on herself. You know, I just hope that she yeah. you just worry about that a little bit because she's such a perfectionist sometimes that, it, yeah. it you know, that you just have to take it in, take yeah. it in perspective in the bigger picture. And hopefully the people around her will, will help her have that perspective. It's quite opposite of somebody, somebody else, another upset that I thought of in the women's side, which is Karolina Pushkova. I mean, this is, mm. this is somebody oh, yes. who has one of the best serves in women's tennis. Like she hits, this is somebody who's been, who's probably the best player right now to have not won a major. And yet she hasn't made a yeah. quarterfinals in two years. I mean, Pliskova is just too stubborn. Like every time that, and you can see this right away when she goes to the press conferences, every time she gives the same answer, she she just doesn't want to be there. It's like people are asking her legit questions like, uh, do you think that you should um, maybe um, watch your attitude in a sense? You should have tried to get a different attitude. And she always comes up with, no, I I was just not the better player today and yeah, she won. Right. Like, what do you want me to do about it? It's kind of like, do better. That's what I want yeah. you to do. Like this, we're trying to point out that your attitude is not, it's not in where it should be. It's not in, it's not in tune with like the, the biggest champions of the game. And if you expect to be one, you should probably try to adjust that. Like, I mean, and it's, it's not to say that she, she has a bad attitude. She's kind of like ice cold and that's really good. She can hold her emotions, but like, she she feels like um like a Fabio Fonini in a lesser way in which it just kind of like almost seems to lose interest in the match when she starts like not doing well or something. Yeah, exactly. I just and, don't see the fire in her. I don't. Yeah, I don't see the. I yeah. don't see that intensity. I don't see that yeah. that commitment. That plan which B. Is what, you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't see that like yeah. when when she's down in the score. Like for instance, in that match against Mukova, yeah. she which was a little kind of awkward yeah. because they both know each other. And she was up five zero, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she in was five love right? in the second set and served oh, yeah, for it twice yeah. and. She lost seven games in a row. I mean, couldn't pull it out. And she, yeah. she this is that first set, and actually she goes. She got a warning for throwing her racket, and she just went off the court. She said, uh, "I have to go off the court," and she took her racket with her, and she smashed it, and then came back, <laughs> came back with a broken <laughs> oh, no. racket, and then and then she's like, "Wait, I thought you could just go off the court and do anything, like it doesn't count." And then the umpire's like, "No, now it's a point penalty." <laughs> so anyway, that part was, that part was. So it it does show you like she has fire inside of her that she and i remember watching something a couple of years ago i don't know if you guys remember maybe it was 2018 something like that, that she was playing maria sakari and she hit the she hit the chair, the chair right? really really yeah. hard and there was a big dent <laughs> it was very yes, awkward maria sakari was like flinching away from him. yeah that was scary actually that was that was frightening like yeah. to watch that but she, she can be she can look very scary on court like i'm not gonna yeah. lie and it's like it's it's so, sort of like the total opposite of a fire that, for example, I just wanted to say this before we move on to another another point. But like Canon, the difference from last year to this year is that last year she was just happy to be there, and not in the sense like I'm just happy to be there. Whatever happens, happens. She was she was happy to compete and win. It was it, you could see her um, her energy on court was so positive and 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 nice to watch. You kind of could relate to her in a way just mm-hmm. by watching her play. And and it was really fun to see. So I feel like she kind of lost a little bit of that, and um, she would just maybe need to find a little bit of time to to regain that desire 
um, and the, the 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 fun to compete and apply that to his to her energy on court to 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 have the right attitude. Yeah. And yeah, and and speaking maybe um, of attitude, I think a player that is having a great attitude this this tournament, a little bit different from last year. In contrast, is uh, Ashley Barty. She's quite enjoying herself a bit in the in, on court right now. I feel. Oh, a lot, uh, a lot. I mean, for somebody who was out for twelve months, missed the game. I mean, she's such a. I think of her as like a pure tennis player. You know what I mean? Like a pure classical. Mm-hmm. Like hmm. just has so much variety, so much, so many shots, so many things she can do on the court. You know, so much flair. <laughs> that slice backhand. And, and that slice is a nightmare for her opponents to deal with. And not only is it a great pattern changer. It, sets up her really nice forehand that she has it's so compact it's it's got this jump on the court that it, it's got this uh this weight of shot you can really feel it you know and mm, and even yeah. her serve for has she dropped a set yet uh she hasn't, no, she she hasn't. hasn't dropped she, a set, she came close really tight tie break in the right. second in the second, uh, round, second yeah. set of her second match but she, no she hasn't six one seven six i believe something yeah. like that right yeah that, yeah, that was nine, a bit seven in the tie break it was a bit of a scare for her because she had her leg like strapped up completely and mm. uh, it wasn't very she wasn't making it. She wasn't very subtle about it. That's how she put it in her post-match con- mm-hmm. uh, interview. But she was up against Daria Gavrilova, and she served for. She had a six-one-five-two lead, lead, I believe, and she just mm-hmm. let it slip completely. And I wasn't sure if it was much. How much of it was the injury that was bothering her? She said she was playing it down a little bit, so maybe maybe not as much. But she just got really tight and felt the pressure. And so somehow I just mm-hmm. feel like now with the crowds gone, and because she's not in the stronger half of the draw. I just feel like she's a heavy favorite to get to the final. Uh, the, the, the way yeah, things are. Yeah, to be fair, she, she, yeah, she has been quietly going through her her draw and yeah. just demolishing her opponents. Just a six love, six love to 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 open up her campaign. Lost ten points in the match. Quite Lost ridiculous. Lost ten points yeah. in the yeah. whole match. <laughs> yeah, that that's domination. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and yeah. We, I mean, I think without question, she is in the lighter half of the draw. The bottom half is yeah. absolutely loaded, and so I wonder if oh, yeah. I wonder if the final, if should she get there, will be a little bit of a shock to the system. If if all of a sudden she comes up against like a very very high quality and and battle tested yeah. opponent, but uh, she, she does look good to get to the final. I would say she does. She does mm-hmm. so well to defuse big hitters and power players. Like you know the way she can just carve you apart with that slice. It's mm-hmm. it's quite beautiful to watch actually sometimes and the just the her IQ and her court awareness that she has and uh, you know she's quite chill and laid mm-hmm. back but you wouldn't know that on the court because I mean on the court she also has great focus and, and, and intensity but at times I just feel like maybe because the Australia hasn't had a champion you know on the women's side in forty years mm-hmm. that's Australian so. That, yeah, so, so she's not having the crowd there, not having the crowd there, that additional oh, yeah. pressure that comes with that, I feel like, and because she's very mellow and relaxed uh, off the court, she's not the most boisterous and outgoing person. You feel like she would handle that atmosphere and occasion a lot better, uh, you know, yeah. without okay. maybe without the yeah. crowd or but with less uh, spotlight, like in the center of attention, you know, waiting for mm-hmm. her. Yeah, she's more of like a, a low key person. And uh, you you mentioned that about um the matches like maybe she gets to the final something um may, maybe meets uh like a player who's a little bit more uh ready i would say like tough, if, yeah. if you put it that way yeah match stuff but uh, her her next rounds are looking quite interesting mm-hmm. honestly like if she gets she she's gonna have to face now Muko, mukova mm-hmm. who was the conqueror of Pliskova yeah. and mertens and after that there's a chance that she may have to play jennifer brady mm. who that'll be very tough doing quite well as well and Wow, she's she's 
She's barely lost games in her sets that she's played. So her toughest set was a 7-5, but before that it was like 6-3 was the the worst that she's played. Yeah, so that that half It could be a really, really tough yeah, one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, draw, that, that battle of the Americans with Pagula and Brady is gonna be fascinating because they're both uh, mm. they both were collegiate level players, so they have that they both have a nice camaraderie with each other. Like I remember um, Brady after she mm. won her match, she wrote uh, bring it on Jess and on the camera hmm. yeah. signed it off and they're, and they're just they're, they're cool. really close with each other they're really tight mm. and so I feel like that's gonna be it and actually I remember they played last year um, when Brady had her two runs she won the Lexington title and then semifinals at the US Open but sandwiched mm. in between those two results was a first round loss in Cincinnati to Pagula so oh, it'll wow. be very interesting now that they play against each other I feel like because they would know each other's games so well and in and out mm-hmm. as people as well and because I mean, I mean, Brady is still the favorite in that match, like because you know she's just, you know, her the way she played at the U.S. Open last year and the way she's transformed her career, basically, you got to put her as the favorite. But I mean, Pagula is Pagula the way she's played this tournament. I mean, she hasn't dropped any. She's dropped just the one set to Svitolina, but she did. She beat Azarenka. She beat Mladenovic, six two six one, former top ten player. I mean, these are some really good wins. And I mean, Azarenka was a you know, a legit top five contender, and she knocked yeah. her out in the yeah. in the first round. Yeah, so. I, I think I picked Azarenka to like make at least the semis, and um, to, I think I picked it. Yeah, to, to go on like a, a slight tangent here, I'm really interested to see how the friendship impacts the match on court as well, because yeah. um, I'm not sure if um either of you have seen. Uh, the movie Wimbledon, it's 2004. Oh, I think I've seen it, I've seen it. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, th- th- yeah. There's a segment in it where um, the main character, his name's Peter, has to play his training partner in the third round. And uh, and his love interest, Lizzie, says, like, like, are you ready to play him? Because, like, beating your friend in the third round of Wimbledon is, like, killing him. And so this is, this is like, a very high-stakes match. This is mm-hmm. an Australian Open quarterfinal. So I'm curious, if at all, I don't really expect it to, but I'm sort of curious to see if sort of the the good feelings between them has any impact yeah, on the you match know what, though, i think the way that they're wired and their their competitive fight and desire i just i, I think they'll be able to put that behind them similar to the, like I, the way rublev yeah. and medvedev mm. you know they're not going to oh, give each God. other anything yeah. they're just, gonna just because throw, they're yeah. friends <laughs> although I'll, i mean uh, although to be fair they're russian so <laughs> they're, they're wired differently yeah i mean <laughs> yeah speaking of which that's like that's like karatsev in the um who in, sure. the, in the men's draw, I mean, he just looks like he he belongs. Like, I mean, I, I watched a little bit of his press conference, and yeah. they asked him like yeah. afterwards. They asked him uh, like, so they asked him like, you lost the first two sets to Felix, and how did you come back and and bounce back? And you took a bathroom break. What was that about? And they're just trying to get to know him and like his personality. And yeah. before they asked all these questions, and he would just give them nothing. Like he was like a like an ice cold like Russian assassin. I'm not even joking. <laughs> and he was he was like he literally said in his Russian accent, like, "I went to toilet." Somebody called James. He's like, "I just went to toilet. That's it." And I was like, that, "Like that's all he said." He's like, I, "They're like, did you? Was there a yeah. you know? How did you regroup and get yourself?" He's like, "I went to toilet." I came back. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I wonder. I wonder if his. I wonder if his English is just not good enough because he hasn't been like able to practice that much. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think that's possible. But I think another possibility is that like it really was that simple for him. Yeah, like I, I think, think from so. what I've seen, he's had a great mindset. So maybe he wasn't like I. Maybe he thought like I just wasn't playing well enough. I went to the bathroom because I needed to go to the bathroom, yeah. and I had like faith that my game was gonna pick off. And I think that's a great attitude to have to, I, I, I love to it, have actually. such good yeah. self belief and um 
And I'm not sure if you guys saw the the Rublev or Medvedev quotes when they said, uh, <laughs> one of them said when they played as juniors, they would hit lobs for 10 minutes because neither of them wanted to lose the point. And they would like yeah. cry and scream and break their rackets. And so like, I've, like I've the, these guys are like fiercely competitive. And um, is it Rublev and Medvedev? Yeah. And then Medvedev. Yeah. Against each other. Medvedev yeah. was asked in his press. This is Medvedev so was asked and Medvedev, Medvedev basically said, I don't care if I'm winning six love, six love, five love. I'm not going to give him two games. Yeah, so that tells you everything. It's like yeah. So, so this this is like an incredible tournament for for Russian tennis. They've three guys in the quarterfinals, yeah. and uh, two of them are playing um, Rublev and Medvedev. And this is this is a matchup that I'm excited for. I I tweeted about it yeah. earlier, and I said mm-hmm. uh, I don't see how Medvedev is going to lose. But they played yeah. a pretty yeah. close straight set match at the U.S. Open. This will be another good barometer for Rublev to see where his ceiling is, where his level is, and it'll be probably Medvedev's toughest test yet yeah you know I think it's a very interesting match because Rublev has been on an on a stellar growth in his tennis career right now his his level is just kind of um went rocketed up Mm -hmm. uh from uh, 2019 up until now and Medvedev has been on a steady growth and uh, steadily establishing himself as one of the favorites for any given title that he enters in. So uh, on hardcore, <laughs> I I am very very excited to see because it definitely feels like um like this this kind of uh, the number one Russian guy against the the Russian number two and this kind of yeah, like Rublev like on a mission to try to prove a point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Medvedev really just trying to like maintain his his status as number one in a sense like. It, it it has like a narrative to that which I which I like so I think it's gonna be a very interesting. I do match think it'll be. To, yeah. I do think it'll be and, much yeah. closer than their previous matches have been, just because. Um, which has yeah. Because this and the US, the, the US match has been pretty close actually. Yeah, two tie breaks I believe, and the first set I feel and Rublev mm-hmm. might have actually should have won the first he, set. Rublev had yeah. a big lead in one of the tie breaks, five one yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, that yeah. makes I recall that. Yeah, and. Um, they've played four times. I think it's four zero in favor of Medvedev. But yeah, Rublev's not even won a set yet. Yeah, but I expect that to just, change. It's tough for him to hit through yeah. Medvedev, you know, because of the way he can redirect and the way mm. he, he defends and the way he covers the court and you know all the tricks he has up his sleeve. It's it's just tough for Rublev to get into a rhythm. But mm. uh, and of course with the big serving and um, the complete player that Medvedev has become. But mm. I I just think like maybe the fast courts might help Rublev a little more. He might be able to. Yeah. He might be able to finish points a easier than he might have at the U.S. Open, maybe. And, uh, you know, maybe, like, because expectations are very low and basically all the pressures on Medvedev, maybe you might see a drop-off like you saw in the third round where he just went walkabout for two sets, basically. And Krajinovic played really mm. well as well. But, yeah, uh, mm. yeah I, I have a sneaky feeling it could be closer this time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. definitely possible. And if Rublev can sort of one-two punch his way to success for a while, I think it could be a close match. But I think another factor to consider is that physically, I think they're on very different levels. I'm not sure if Rublev has played... I can't recall a five-setter he's played. I wouldn't be surprised if he's played one, but I, it can't be more than a handful in his career. And Medvedev, yeah. though he's only won one, he was part of a massively bruising five-setter against Rafa Nadal. Rublev has experienced nothing close to that. And so I feel like if this does go to three or four hours, Medvedev is going to have a big upper hand just because he's been in situations like that before. Yeah, you, mm, you feel like yeah. Rublev? I mean, he's been he's burst on the scene. He won five titles last year, all at 250-500 level. He's crushing guys. Yeah. Like, he's crushing he's crushing everyone he's supposed to, right? Like, everyone outside right. the top ten, he's just crushing them. But, you just, but it's the people above but him. But it's like the yeah. people above him, he hasn't yeah. played them much either. It's like, 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. played it. He... His, his, yeah, he's just joining that club. It, in the exactly. Sense of... Yeah. Like he got a win over yeah. Federer in Cincinnati, but besides yeah. that, he's like barely. He played Rafa twice, I think. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. ever played Djokovic. Never, so... never played Djokovic before. Yeah. yeah they've never played. Yeah. Him, so it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and and at the at the Grand Slam level, he played Nadal in 2017 U.S. Open. Uh, got crushed, mm-hmm. but he made it to the quarters. And so I think I think Medvedev is sort of the next. He's like one step down from that, and even that Rublev hasn't experienced very often. Yeah. So I, I do think to, to be yeah. So, well, last thing, sorry, I do think even if he loses yeah, this match, yeah. it'll end up being a good thing for him because he needs to play matches like this. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I was I was just going to say like for example, um, uh, it, it was just like as it was a matter of time for for from my perspective that Medvedev would win uh, a five set match. I never really expected him to like find this to be like a like a mental uh, a mental block yeah. or something like that it was just that he never played a five set match yeah, it felt like at the level that he is right now yeah. yeah it was just it was just that he never had a chance to to win one in, in the, at the level that he currently has mm-hmm. has and i feel like for rublev it's sort of like the same thing he hasn't yet um faced uh, against uh, djokovic and and whatever all the other guys like as many times as you would expect him to because he's number eight in the world but that's just a matter of time yeah. he's he's definitely going to meet them like a lot more in throughout this year and who knows maybe if he beats medvedev he's going to have a shot at like facing uh, uh i think he's on nadal's side yeah yeah and, and so playing... maybe maybe going to have a rublev nadal like you never know so yeah. it'll be really interesting yeah, too i yeah. think the, the and, better matchups for him are like the Tsitsipas team you know he's played them and beaten them before mm-hmm. so i feel mm-hmm. like exactly. those are maybe better matchups he can rush them a little bit on the backhand and mm-hmm. you know draw some short balls and then finish off points but against players who absorb pace really well and you know you like <laughs> frustrate him yeah and yeah. they're just like pikachu like they just get the ball back like <laughs> they just absorb everything and you know they're able to play play offense as well and then you know just yeah. you know just add just make him look a little bit one-dimensional like uh like even uh zverev or a medvedev or a djokovic you just feel like these are like at this point maybe uh like the next step that's the next step for rublev to solve i feel like mm-hmm. yeah and medvedev to, to put it mildly is a king at uh absorbing pace yeah. so Oh, yeah. Rublev will definitely have his work cut out he, for him. It's I think. like the harder you hit it, he's like, "Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you." I'll just yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. almost it's it's almost weird. I was watching his match against um, Krajinovic, and the more I watched him, I was like, "Did you did you learn how to play tennis with the old guys at the clubs?" Yeah, like, he, he definitely because that's, that's the vibe that yeah. he gives me. Yeah, because it's yeah, it, it it has this vibe that he just taught himself how to hit shots because. Sometimes his forehand just doesn't. His technique just doesn't look right from uh, the you angle think, that we see on think, TV. You think like how are you not mistiming that shot? But he, yeah, uh, yeah. His and forehand like, how can you get the shot on? Yeah, how can you get the your shots like across the net, like and not miss any shots? Like it, it's definitely, it's definitely professional level um, equivalent of like when you go to the to, to the tennis uh, club and you meet the like sixty year old guys who just keeps putting balls back and yeah. you. You make errors because you cannot handle that. Yeah, but obviously he's a professional and he can attack really, really strong yeah, as well. Yeah, and I think and the, the the last set, the five, the fifth set was just oh, ridiculous. I, I, I was about to bring that up. Out yeah, I think I think yeah. this is understated. He can wall up the ball. He was hitting like Djokovic esque returns and like crushing oh, yeah, everything. And his forehand, people, I, some people yeah. say it's bad, but he can crush it as well. No way. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted about that. I felt like I was watching the evil clone of Novak Djokovic. Yeah, I, I did court. too. Was, yeah. <laughs> It's so similar. Yeah, it's it, and yeah. and I, I think the thing that impresses me most about Medvedev every time I watch him play, like like Djokovic, is the willingness to engage in those long rallies that like he knows he's going to mm. lose some of, but like he will suffer, 
and n- not yeah. not many other players will do that. You will see them bail out and go for winners, and he will just be like, "I know you like to grind. I'm going to like to grind more than you, and I'm and I will break you down." And you see Djokovic yeah. like hunching over in their matches sometimes. And when, you're, when you're least expecting it, I'll just hit a jump forehand, and I'll just it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll come yeah, to the I, net, and I'll just surprise you. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his variety is incredible, but particularly yeah. in the long rallies, I think he's the most impressive thing we've seen since Andy Murray. Yeah, and and yeah. he's constantly adjusting and thinking. You see him sometimes he stands so far back on the return, and then mm. sometimes he'll just step in and just surprise you. He'll just come closer. He'll yeah. just, he's, he's, his brain is just constantly Although, working yeah. and working, and sometimes he actually needs to just yeah. drop off and play a few bad games just to kind of get himself going again. It's mm. like he he sometimes mm. needs to look for that something. Like I remember um, in that fourth set against Krajinovic, he was like just barking at his box, and his at one point his coach just left. And yeah, just, he left. just left the stadium. And we're like, wait, did you ask yeah. him to leave, or did he just? And then I I was yeah. It, it was weird because I, I was watching that match and like he started screaming at his coach in French mm-hmm. and it's crazy because yeah. I can understand French and like I was like why are you saying these things? <laughs> they don't even make that much they don't even make sense like it, it's like what are you talking just need about somebody to vent the coach was just yeah he, he, he was he was just like raising his hands kind of like almost like no I'm sorry I'm sorry that's fine that's fine I'm not gonna talk to you anymore and he just left yeah. I think he just understands that like I get like, for for this guy I just I just have to accept it he's gonna he's gonna do his thing and that's yeah, it yeah imagine if like his personality like switches after yeah. the match he got asked about it and he was like yeah my coach knew i was going to win and he's like smiling and laughing <laughs> about it it's like he he's definitely got like a jekyll and hyde thing going on oh yeah no, no he just he, yeah. he, he embraces it you know he, he, he does he yeah and, and i'll make i'll make one more Djokovic comparison i think he is one of the closest we've seen like when he's peaking it's like, how are you going to beat him? Because you're not going to be able to break him. He's got the huge serve. You can't hit through him. And he's offensive enough that he can finish points by himself. And I think that's sort of similar with Djokovic. Like, when they're on, it's not going to be a scr- struggle to win games or sets. It's going to be a struggle to win points. Yeah. And so... There's yeah. basically very few weaknesses. The only weakness I might point to is, like, if he has a mid-court ball, sometimes he doesn't finish it off, like, on his yeah. forehand or something. Or oh, sometimes yeah. he just he retreats back instead of coming to the net. Which he's so good at the net. I like I you know, I've seen him like just tweet on just tweet out as a joke. He's like, Have you seen my volleys? Or like <laughs> like my net game, you know. Have you seen it? And I'm like thinking, Daniil, your net game is amazing. Like, you know, just look right. at your stats at the ATV finals. It's it's incredible. Like it's yeah. not the most conventional, yeah. but like it 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 does the job sometimes. But I think he's just so willing to just yeah. go back. Like it, it doesn't you know, because he knows he's probably just gonna outgrind you from there anyway. Yeah. yeah, he's he's sometimes kind of stuck in no man's land when he tries to go back. But yeah. it's like he's so he's so quick at changing directions; he'll just get back to neutral very quickly. Yeah, yeah th- that's true. And he papers yeah. over the weaknesses very well. Um, yeah. Something I just realized: we should we talk about the the eight time champion and number one seed uh, Novak Djokovic? A I, was little a, bit? I was about to try to I was about to try to bring like since since we're talking about his evil yeah. clone and the next gen, how about we just shift it over to the um, yeah he's the all time Grand Slam champion leaders. Track so far. I mean, easy first round, and then in the second round, actually, Tiafo really gave him some problems. He played. Yeah. He, he yeah. played well. I, he made I, that. I watched that match. That was it was wild. It, could have lost the. Uh, well, almost could have lost the, the third yeah, set. Yeah, I think it helped that he was playing in. It helped Tiafo that he was playing in the heat a little bit. So it looked a little mm-hmm. bit sometimes that he, he mm-hmm. was up and down Djokovic and just struggling to find that base level. But uh, you know, still yeah. serving extremely well. I've never hit, seen him hit twenty six aces in a single match. That was an yeah, all time record, and that was four just, sets as just well. four sets. And so his serve was getting him out of trouble like a lot. And yeah, and 
especially in the in the match against the Fritz. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, as well. So, so I mean, yeah. once, I think once uh, Francis pushed him to four sets, there were two tie breaks in that match as well, and Francis played a really good tie break to win the second set, mm-hmm. and then it just became uh, it it just became over time slowly and slowly he started to break the Francis's forehand down, and he started to. Uh, you know, just raise his game in the big moments like he normally does, like in the tiebreak in the third set. Mm-hmm. And you know, Francis gave a good account of himself. Uh, he played. He Absolutely. played. He played probably the best I've seen him play. Really, honestly, I, I know he yeah. pushed Federer, <laughs> five, Federer to five sets. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. he does well in slams, apparently. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he made the quarters in Melbourne two years yeah. ago. And he and he's fit, so you you, mm-hmm. I I was impressed with the way he was able to keep his focus throughout that those four sets. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. the criticism of Tiafo has been like he's like so in and out and sometimes mm. and so that's why yeah. i feel like best of five actually does him good because he can regroup and come back yeah and so he, yeah. he can and, yeah. go to calm himself and then djokovic was looking fine against fritz you know like you would expect first two sets you know fritz has improved a little bit so they were tighter and you know but still you back djokovic he played a really good first set tie break he won the second set mm-hmm. pretty comfortably and then you know it looked like it was going to be a straight set finish right and then next thing you know he slips on the melbourne sign yeah, and, and he's grimacing a little bit and like it's his abdomen that's bothering him and then he goes off the court gets a medical treatment um, and then basically plays the next two sets without being able to rotate like basically it doesn't rotate isn't able like, all he can do basically is just serve big hit two first serves essentially yeah. and just crack backhands because it was on his right yeah. oblique so he was still able yeah. he wasn't able to rotate yeah, he was like forehands. yelping during his forehands he he fell yeah. down after one of them and you know how djokovic is like yeah. he's not going to be able to hide it you know he's going right. to he's going to show you how he's feeling like he's he, he's going to he show the opponent. emotionally yeah. expressive let's say yeah. which which can be a little bit of a problematic thing for him uh, in yes. the media side yes. although he seems to be handling that pretty yeah, well definitely. with the ad- classic attitude of uh, i don't give yeah, a crap my, my feeling about this is like so what djokovic and Medvedev does this as well. He is he is very good at looking exhausted or tired yeah, yeah. or hurt. And like I think I, I don't think that's some like secret tactic that he's like cooked up. I think it's like if you can't beat him when when he looks tired or he is tired or he is injured, like you only have yourself to blame. You you can't buy too much into how he yeah. looks. You have to buy into how he's yeah. playing. And and yeah. opponents and, and opponents honestly, should know this by now, yeah. you know? Like opponents should know yeah, that th- this he's is not, no secret. This is this is this no is secret. Yeah, this is a playbook yeah. on Djokovic that you know he can I mean j- Djokovic has been there for like 15 years. Yeah. Like you should yeah. know like how he plays at this point. It's not like he's not in the on TV. It, it, exactly. He's not it, playing it's, challengers. It's like, and, and Taylor Fritz has been on tour for years. Mm-hmm. You should know that like Djokovic can look yeah. like basically a second away from like dying and still win a match. <laughs> like this is this is very this is yeah, knowledge and, and is people, very easy people to call come it by. faking, but it's not it's not faking. You don't fake an injury when you're two sets to love up. Like that's just not exactly. how, that's not how it no, works. Yeah, absolutely not. Oh my gosh, it, the, it, the yeah. logic some people try to use yeah. for that. Like And they were spot about that. Like I, I would definitely say that they were spot about that. It's not like you could maybe make an argument that he faked an injury and, and won in his straight sets, but then to lose the next two sets is, is weird. Yeah. And to be fair, it's it's up up until like two uh two all it, it in the, uh, way, in the fifth like. set yeah it, it definitely was looking like it was going to go fritz's way because I, i'm i'm pretty sure like none of them have dropped a, a single point on serve uh mm. in that in the fifth set up until like two all and then fritz hits like a couple of bad shots and ends up like losing his focus and that's it like he loses the match because he he just couldn't handle himself like in a sense like Djokovic didn't have to do 
all that much, but the, he definitely seemed a little bit more fired up. Like he was not and, moving and people, in, the, in the first four did. games of this set. People like say not he at played all, great in the fifth set. I mean, I watched that f- entire fifth set back. He was not a hundred percent at all, even oh, in that no. fifth set. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, he was looking not. better than yeah. he was in the third and fourth, and that's probably maybe the painkillers. Maybe they kicked in. Yeah. Another part of yeah. that match that was weird is that the crowd was asked to leave at eleven thirty because of yeah, the that was, that was real. <laughs> because of the lockdown yeah. restriction. But it's like you know, you know, why yeah. didn't they? do that a little bit differently like why didn't they play yeah. the match which you know why didn't they just like earlier yeah, yeah. like they could have like, scheduled they, they which, the which schedule by the way two hours. Yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure about that but like it, uh, by the way it just a, uh, an important side note i think we should always uh, all acknowledge how great a job australian the, oh, yeah, yeah. the australian authorities yes. and tennis australia is doing for pulling off this tournament and uh, there was a comment uh, on a tweet that I made uh, over the uh, tennis tweet, tennis and uh, Bagel's account, uh, about like what surprises you the most about the Australian Open so far. And somebody said that no uh, COVID-related problems. Yeah, it's <laughs> essentially great. It's essentially been going pretty yeah. smooth, and it's honestly mm-hmm. ridiculous about that. Yeah, so, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Tennis yeah. Australia. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. And, and something and about you would you would have thought maybe some of the crowd would start booing and stuff, but I thought they were they they understood and they they were pretty yeah. cooperative and the, the, I mean yeah, yeah. The, they've been taking COVID yeah. seriously. It was a five to ten minute so break. I don't read much. too much in that. Although I will say it might have helped Djokovic like really regroup and get back. I think mm-hmm. that break gives them more time for the painkillers to kick in. Yeah. But, yeah. And to be fair, one of the things that uh, Djokovic, back to the injury talk yeah. a little bit right now, is that he was mentioning in one of his press conferences that um, he doesn't know exactly. He, he said it's a little bit of yeah. a gamble. And mm-hmm. the, the reason why he said that is because he's taking painkillers. That hides and, the pain, um, right? I, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've heard this like firsthand from uh, from an ex-athlete. from uh, He used to play volleyball. Mm-hmm. And he said once that he took painkillers for his knee. Mm-hmm. And he said he was he was he was quite scared about the the, the effect of the painkillers because it's not like like Tylenols and Advils right. that we it, take it, like it because you're feeling like a stomachache. Yeah. It absolutely destroys it. It, it. And he said like and the tricky thing about painkillers is that you don't know what you're doing to your body at this mm-hmm. point anymore because it, you don't feel the pain, but the damage may still be occurring. The yeah. Yeah. So or it could be increasing. The, yeah. the like, fact that yeah. it's a slam yeah. is a big thing. I think he said that if it was not a slam. He would have withdrawn already yeah. and retired, but yeah. because it's a major, and you yeah. know how important majors are at this stage of his career. Yeah, um, and, that he and I, th- I think that it. says a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think he's willing and, to put and, yeah. through and, that. And, and because painkillers is and not and something that's part of Djokovic's yeah. philosophy. I remember no, he he's, he, he's he cried for medicine. days after he got surgery on his elbow because he he wanted to huh. have he wanted to use um, other methods of healing to help. He doesn't huh. he didn't believe that. Uh, the quote-unquote Western... The morphine yeah, that, and stuff that, like that? Like yeah. The surgery was the, you know, the, the last resort, and he kind of went against his own principles by taking... It was very interesting when I read that. I was like, he was looking at preventative, like, healing measures, but not anything that would cause long-term risk, like a surgery might. Yeah. And, you know, it just went against his philosophy. So the fact that he's willing to... That he's taking these painkillers and he's willing to put himself through this, he probably feels like, yeah. okay, maybe... You know, it is a bit of a gamble, and I'm probably going to be out of the tour for like a few months after this. Right. Honestly, if I want to, you know, get back to a, the top level and play play competitive, uh, you know, tournaments right away, mm-hmm. you know, then I probably have to just take this gamble yeah. and just just go yeah. with it. But he's going to have to work a lot harder now. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, 
And and I'll say one one last thing about Djokovic playing injured and people maybe thinking he's playing possum. Like Djokovic has no reason to fake an injury during a match. He doesn't need to. He can beat these players when, when he's when he's fit. He can beat them all. When he's injured, he can still beat a lot of them because he's he was not a hundred percent against Raonic either. Like the, w- yeah. what what's happening is not that he is faking an injury and psyching out his opponents into losing. What's happened is that he is hurt and he's still better than them. And maybe some people don't like that, that but that, that is that, that is that the truth, truth hurts, of the situation. Yeah, exactly. There's the ego, and there's no pink killer. Yeah, it's like some people are saying, "Oh, like he's still hurt. There's no way he's going to beat Raonic." And I'm like, "Look at their head to head. Like he can." It's never close against Raonic. It's never close. Exactly. Like you just know. I have that image Mm -hmm. in my head now, in the back of my head, of like Raonic just trying to get out of his way to hit a backhand. It's like, you know, like because that return just comes back so quickly. The way he can read Raonic's serve, it's amazing. It reminds me, like I know Federer did a really good job of reading Roddick's serve, but that was more just getting back to neutral and like neutralizing it. Like Djokovic yeah. picks a side yeah. and he's hitting winners off these returns, like ridiculous exactly. winners. Exactly. Yeah. And Raonic has no idea what to do annoying, like, yeah. because once they're yeah. in a rally, it's like yeah, Djokovic is like yeah, it, it, I'm winning over. this. Yeah. And, for, for for a big server, Raonic is a great baseliner, but he is nowhere near Djokovic's level. Oh yeah, no, and, it's. Uh... He's not what he needs to be to um, win a slam no. in today's tennis. No, context. he might have been in the 90s, so. but it's too tough now. Yeah, and, and he won yeah. that second set and, and actually played pretty well the first two sets, but he just felt like, yeah, yeah he's, he's yeah. not going to... Like, Djokovic is just going to be in so many service games, and, you know, mm-hmm. he, he needed Djokovic's yeah. level to drop a lot, even to win that second set. And Yeah, yeah. So... And, and about injuries, but not wanting to get into every single injury on the draw... Because we know that there were the a lot. Abdominal is uh, quite common. About the other the abdominal. I wonder if there's <laughs> yeah. a connection between the abdominal yeah. injury and the quarantine. I, I'm not sure. But it could be. It seems pretty yeah, common. Yeah, I would. I would imagine that this is the, the most plausible explanation. But it, the other guy, it's uh, yeah. Nadal. He's still in the draw. Still has a chance. Um, not convincing for me. Um, does anybody even know what was the treatment that he went I, through? I have no idea. Back? Um, I, I'd like to find yeah. out, but I know he skipped practice to get the treatment. Because because he, he said like after after yeah. one of his matches, he yeah, practice. after one of his matches, he was like, uh, "I'm just gonna try uh, this one thing, and then after if this doesn't work, I don't know what to yeah. do." And then like he starts playing almost like pain free, like he was saying, like he was he's feeling perfect. He's, um, he healthy feels wise. really positive now so, about his back after the Fonini match. Yeah. He was saying that he feels so, yeah. So it's 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 it's, it's probably really controlled at this yeah. point probably whatever treatment he tried worked. Yeah. if i had to guess maybe it would be yeah. cortisone i know andre agassi was having major back pain at the end of his career and he would get cortisone shots you can only get a few a year because uh there can be some long-term effects but it will like kill the pain enough mm-hmm. for you to be able to play yeah and i know it's yeah. scary and these guys have ridiculous pain tolerance too so i think yeah yeah I think, I think it's also the fact that he said he heard it like the first week of quarantine so it's been a while now it's been like 20 days and yeah. so I feel like maybe it's loosened up over time just and, and yeah. because he's been taking precautions, he hasn't been practicing on the off days. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it almost sounds like an old man. Like I was just like in my home and then I heard yeah. my back trying I'm to like, grab How like... do you get hurt during the quarantine? That's like, that's your one job. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm, I, I, Rafa, Rafa's run has been weird. He's on this, we were talking about this a bit before the podcast started. He's on this run of like 33 consecutive sets won at majors, but mm-hmm. at, in Melbourne, no one has been pushing him. Nori took him to seven fives twice. Like, Fonini should have won the second set, but really went down with a whimper. And uh, I, so I think 
So he is nine sets away from from 21, outright men's record in majors, the double career Grand Slam. But I think not that many people are not talking about it because he's it. It, like the, the last three rounds are going to be tough. I, I don't see him losing in the quarterfinals, but if he gets Medvedev and then Djokovic, I don't see how he beats either one of them, really, much less both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think the, the one thing that is uh, uh, interesting for me is like... Uh, as you said, like he hasn't been tested. There was not anybody in this in his draw yet that was able to push him. Like the closest one that we would have gotten was Fonini, if he had played in, well enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he were Deminar, we would be sure that he would have given his best because we know Deminar's um, philosophy mm-hmm. on court. So it would have been tougher okay. and a little bit be- a little bit better of a of a demonstration of uh, Nadal's abilities right now. And if you look at it, you know. Nori, who just played before, uh, whom Nadal just played before, not, it's Nori is kind of like Nadal, but without the firepower. It's, yeah, I was talking to just, somebody it, on Twitter it, it, about Nori, and the comparison yeah. I made with Nori is he's basically Adrian Maner- Adrian Manorino 2.0 with a little more fight. Mm. That's what. Yeah, that's what I, I think about. Except, except Andrew. Except Andrea, Adrian Manorino can hit a forehand like very, very, very quickly. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. like he he. I mean, He's got I mean, a forehand. Yeah, a match so, yeah. between Adrian Manorino and Cameron Nori, no offense, might put me to sleep. Oh, God. So, I, 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 didn't they play in Delray? I, I feel like they did, and it was it, it, yeah, it was a little bit they, torturous they at times. Yeah, but but to yeah. be fair, like, he's really maximizing his career, so good good, good on oh, him. Yeah. He's a top 50 yeah, player. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, yeah, good and on he, him. He pushed it all pretty hard, like first two, first and third sets. At least he, he gave a really good account. Third round, he beat Dan Evans, so it's a good result right there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but now we have to see you against Tsitsipas. I think that's that's yeah. where yeah. Uh, the barometer of Nadal's uh, tournament is going to be in the really quarterfinals. It, it, it's, it's a very good matchup for him, yeah. but it, it'll be a, a big test. Yeah, I think we, we'll get to previewing yeah. that uh, shortly. The predictions, but before that, I wanted to touch on uh, the Canadians a little bit. Felix Auger-Aliassime, mm. great run to the fourth round, and he played so well to beat uh, his countryman Chapo in the third round straight sets, which I was not expecting, by the way. You know, Chapo mm, obviously. That great first round match, which I missed because it was like three a.m. in the night against Sinner. Oh yeah, no, I was not going to watch uh, that one either. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was uh, that was quite a good first day to start off the tournament. Shapovalov and Sinner, mm-hmm. like, but I think Sinner had just nothing left in the tank. He played like six hours and two days, and then he did he had no time yeah. to recover. Yeah, so, I, I think this will be the last time but, he loses in the first round of the major for a very yeah. long time. But I was quite I was quite yeah. impressed by Shapo and the way he won that that said and the strategic maneuvers that were going on in that match from what I heard and mm-hmm. what I read. But uh, yeah, going back to the Felix match, that was very impressive. His performance in the third round reminded me of the way he can play when his shots are on and the way he just blitz Pats Murray at the US Open, albeit a not, you know, the Murray that we know, but still the way he was able to crush him with just big serve, big forehand and just not overthinking things. And he was playing that way against Karatsev in the fourth round and he won the first two sets and you're thinking here's a golden opportunity for Felix now. Only 20 years of age. I'm mm-hmm. um, going to play Grigor Dimitrov in the quarterfinals. And so, yeah, you could see him getting yeah, to the and semis. And so semis is, you know, quite re- like even realistic. And here he is two sets of level up against some guy who's never been in a main draw before, barely won any ATP matches. And he just started playing like the way he was playing in those finals that he's lost. And he just started overthinking things, started... Um, mistiming a lot of backhands started his serve went off his first and it just looked like he, he was barking at his box a little bit he was just irritable and Karatsev could just sense it all and Karatsev just took control from the baseline and started 
just, I mean, three points on the serve, just hammering forehand winners, just, you know, playing the kind of tennis like he did against Schwartzman, uh, who he blitzed in straight sets the round before. And it's just like, and he did fight. I mean, he did fight, to be fair to Felix. The fourth set was 6-4. So he, did, he mm-hmm. it was only one break, but... And, and he almost went down to double break in the fifth. And so he, I was, ex- I was just really expecting, well to stop I was that expecting him to be quite disappointed in his press conference. But all mm-hmm. I heard is that he's, because he's very mature, I think Felix is so mature. He has like, such a great perspective. And he's like, when you hear him talk, he, it's almost like he's like a veteran, the way he talks. And so I, I knew mm-hmm. he would put it in perspective nicely. But, you know, I, I just feel like he knows, I hope he knows, like this was a missed opportunity for him. Like he could have, you know, it's a bit disappointing. Two sets to love up, you know, he... Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I think he's not not uh, it's not like he's not used to missed opportunities being in seven yeah, finals and hopefully. losing all of them mm-hmm. in straight sets. So he, yeah, I think it's just he's probably trying to approach it in a sense that he's trying to grow, mm-hmm. um, just finding that that extra gear that he needs to have yeah. to um, play important points and play important matches like this and win them. Yeah. Um, because right now he's just kind of falling short, like a little bit, as you said, like he's overthinking. I feel like he's overthinking because he doesn't know what to do. I was talking to uh, to Owen, I think, before you okay. came in, that uh, it it just feels like he's just he's just hitting forehands and and thinking in his head is like, why isn't my forehand generating winners anymore? It's like I'm I'm hitting hard and I'm hitting yeah. well. I have the technique. Why isn't Why isn't it working? That that's kind of he's like kind what of it feels like. It it's click, sort of like, know? and I just feel like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it, I don't I don't know what he needs. To be fair, I have no idea. Maybe he just needs to that that whatever click that Djokovic had in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, so something like that. To, so for him to 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 get somewhere. But yeah, it's yeah. just it's a reminder that he's only twenty. So there's there's plenty of time here. But it's oh yeah, no, for know, sure. Three, I I hundred percent agree with you. But like yeah, I mean, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll see because he's you know seven finals is no joke at age twenty, and he's. Put mm-hmm. himself in yeah, great position. Good. That's two fourth rounds now. So that's so he's yeah. at least he's uh, living up to yeah. his you know ranking. At least he's top twenty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I will say I think his streak in finals is sort of the yeah. the anti of of Medvedev having not won a five setter. That was a streak that felt like it's an it's inevitable that it's going to end mm-hmm. like immediately. And this one, I think mm-hmm. there is an actual problem with how he plays in, under pressure. And mm-hmm. I think he will solve it. And it's also inevitable that this streak oh, yeah. will end. But I think yes. it's something that he needs to figure out. Whereas Medvedev, it was just like if he kept playing five setters, something was going to happen very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's not like, for example, Beneteau, who never won a title. Yeah, <laughs> he fought really hard for one, and he played really well, just never won. Ten finals. But Felix. <laughs> for yeah, <sighs> the difference though is that ten finals in basically ten years, so yes. it's a little bit different yeah. of a stat. So, <laughs> for Felix, is like six finals and seven finals in like what yeah. two years? Two. I mean, you don't even half. count last year because so, last year yeah. was like so you know on and off fragmented. But really, twenty nineteen mm-hmm. was his first breakout, yeah. first season on the tour. And he climbed all the way yeah, from so, 108 yeah. to 20. So he's, mm-hmm. yeah, I, he's like made. Yeah, he's he's promising. Uh, I'm just I'm just I'm hopeful. I'm waiting and and, and watching. Hopefully, hopefully it's gonna be sooner than later. But he's still younger. He's young. So, and then Chapo, who did incredible against Sinner and won. Congratulations. Um, I'm excited to see the, what's coming in the, in the rest of the season for those two, and even for Roundage. I mm-hmm. think Roundage is still going to to do some some damage. Yeah, as long as he can um, avoid Djokovic, he is going to win a lot of matches. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that's... that's... And uh, Andrescu, who um, not very surprisingly lost um, to... Yeah, Shea. by the way, Shay is, <laughs> so, so Shea is something, right? Age 35 years. First oh, yeah. She's just inspired right now, so we'll have to wait and see. What I tell you, if you there. haven't seen Shay play, you're missing out. Like, yes, the way she can just redirect anything—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a joke at times. The way she places the ball, the way she can, the way she can, she almost looks like she's playing table tennis. The way she's, the yeah. way she, she has yeah. two hands on both her rackets. She just kind of turns her wrist. It just makes it look so easy. It's like, yeah, she she has a double handed yeah, forehand, forehand yeah, and backhand right. and. Like she just yeah. just so casual and and she makes it look like she's playing these huge hitters and she's just fusing mm-hmm. all their power and just hitting behind them hitting these crazy yeah. angles it's like and there's like nothing you can do about it it's like I, I was watching Osaka play her yeah. Osaka played Osaka and Shea played play today which is supposed to be in like a blockbuster because they've played mm-hmm. each other five times and Osaka's four and one but when she was asked uh, about her opponent. Uh, when Osaka she's, was she's Shea, yeah. she gave this really long sigh, like ah, in her post match, like, and everybody picked that up because it's like yeah. she's a nightmare to play. Like they played in the third round of yeah. the twenty nineteen Australian Open, and Shea led that match seven five four two forty love. Yeah, she was six points away, and you know, and she just she just couldn't close it out. And Osaka just Osaka yeah. just found another gear, like she's been able to do throughout her career so far, and win it in a third set, mm. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to take. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in tennis, the phrase having a player on a string is overused. But I think when Shea is at her best, that phrase like perfectly applies. And it's like she is pulling them one way and then the other way. Yeah. And it's like the other players just yeah. like completely doing her bidding. And it's, I, I haven't seen anything quite like it. it. She is a truly unpredictable and really fascinating player to watch. For sure. Yeah. So. Time for predictions? Yes. What do you guys think? Let's go for it, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we can start with tonight's S- matches. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, by the time that this podcast is out, it's a very big possibility that most of those matches are over. So we might we have a very strong chance of being wrong within an yeah. hour from now. Yeah, so, and, and if we um, are right, we're, we're not cheating. So these matches yes. have not happened yeah. yet. Yeah. Right now it's 7 p.m. Eastern, and we're recording yep. this. So we still got time to be right and not cheat yes. about it. So... Let's start with the uh, right. women's tournament. So we have match. top half, Ashley, Barty. Oh, okay. uh, actually, you're going to do uh, uh, today's yeah. matches, right? Okay, so let's go for um, So the today's first matchup today is Osaka versus Tsui Shea, um, which I hmm. believe starts in an hour and a half. But um, yeah. Yeah. Oof, yeah, yeah. So for that match, um, I, I because I think Osaka is so well prepared now, and she's been, she's played Shea five times now, and She's been, she knows um, kind of what to expect in a way that a lot of players don't, you know, because not many mm-hmm. players have played Shea that many times. And I just think the level that she found towards the end of the Muguruza match, which by the way, she saved a couple of match points and that was some glorious hitting in that one. You know, that was like yeah. a potential final that she played there. And just the way that she's, you know, just so clutch in those big moments and her ability to problem solve and just too much firepower off the ground, just serves that are just not going to come back. You know, they're going to be mm-hmm. aces and first strike winners and her movement in the corners. I mean, even if Shea hits beautiful angles and hits behind her, you know, she's not going to have time to do that over and over again and win the match. So I just feel like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, f- I feel like this time we might get one close set, but then another blowout set. 
So I feel like it'll be straight sets. It'll be a convincing... Because Osaka, when she gets to the quarterfinals so far, her record is 9-0. Yeah, she's never, she's lost, never lost yeah. in a quarter, semis, or final. Okay, that's, you know, three majors. That's still that's like nine that's matches. That's pretty that's wild. That's a, a good yeah. stat. So, yeah, I, I have mm, a feeling yeah. if, if, if not three, then maybe straights, but one close set. Um, yeah, I, I feel similarly. I think she is a fantastic player. She's beaten some really quality opponents to get here, but Osaka feels unstoppable right now. She got she got mm-hmm. taken to the brink by Muguruza, but I feel like she has just refused to lose. So I think I think she takes this one in in either two or three. Not completely sure, but I think in the end, either way, it'll end up being sort of comfortable. Yeah, uh, I gotta I gotta stand with my 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 pick from the, the beginning, which was Osaka going to mm-hmm. the final. Um, so, uh, I have I have to say I think it's gonna go three, but um, I'm not entirely sure if uh, the, th- the 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 third set could either go like eight six or six one. Yeah, it's, it's either or. Uh, that's that's how I feel about this. So, we'll see. We'll see yeah. in an yeah. hour. The next match is very interesting because you got uh, two unexpected quarterfinalists. The most unexpected yeah. of uh, all the four matchups, I'd say. Everyone else is kind of uh, top eight seed, uh, or mm. yeah, top. Yeah, the only seeds to go out were Schwartzman, and Schwartzman lost to Karatsev, and then Dimitrov, who lost against Team, who, by the way, was not healthy, really, in that match, and just checked out, kind of, mm-hmm. the last eight games, and just, it was a shocker that he lost 6-4, love but, um, you know, he just, he looked injured to me in that third set, I think he won just, yeah. uh, like, six points total. Yeah, d- didn't take his chances in the first two sets either. And there have been some more... Uh, the team was more honest in his Austrian part of the press conference, so I was able to read that he was struggling with a right foot injury. And it was plaguing him, and there mm. must have been some carryover maybe from the Kyrgios match. Uh, physically, I think he was not at his best. And I think that's why Dimitrov didn't celebrate mm. afterwards. And, you know, it was... I think he, those two guys are friends. They've hit practice with each other a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like team... His standout moment from this tournament will be that match against Kyrgios and the comeback um, in that one. But, uh, yeah, uh, apart from that, what did you guys think? Like, do you think his it was just never meant to be this tournament for him? Like, because another factor mm. for me is that also Nicholas Masu wasn't there. And that's somebody who yep. gives him a lot of good energy mm. from the stands and really helped transform his game on a hard court. And this time the courts were a lot quicker and speedier and... But I don't think that played a role into it in the fourth match, the courts, because he, by now he's had time to get used to them. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just a combination of physical problems and his opponent playing very well. Dimitrov, very patient and had a good record against him. Yeah, and... I, I, I agree. I was I was so impressed that team came back against Kyrgios, but against Dimitrov, I really don't think there was much to take away from it. He In the first set, he was up 3-1 in serving. Mm-hmm. He had seven game points in that game and ended up getting broken back. I, I, thought, I felt um, like his footwork was a little bit off in some of those yeah. moments, and he just couldn't... He was pulling for the trigger a lot earlier because he just knew he couldn't sustain it in the long run. Yeah, and I think the intensity when he was behind was really lacking as well, which is disappointing even before he got to the third set. But uh, like, regardless, I don't want to take anything away from Dimitrov. Mm -hmm. He played very well, and I think he'll. I think I think he'll get through Karatsev in four sets probably. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say straight Mm -hmm. sets. I think Karatsev has 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 given his all, and I feel like. Um, while yes, he has played like a good play in a uh, Schwartzman and Aliasim is good too. I feel like Dimitrov just has a lot more, has is gonna be a lot to handle with experience and athleticism yeah, well, and yeah. variety. I think is he's gonna be able to take take down uh, Karatsev and 
three, uh, maybe two close sets, uh, and then a third one that's going to be a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a hard hitting match. Yeah. But I feel like uh, Dimitrov is going to take yeah, it. In I think three. he'll be able to use his variety effectively. The slice, he'll be able to, um, you know, stay focused. He's playing in the day. He played in the day in the fourth match too. He's played. Marin Chilich in the first round, who's the most similar player I can think of in the draw. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. similar to Karatsev mm-hmm. with the big serve, big hitting, and similar type of game, flat ball striker. I, I would say four sets. I think uh, he might be able to sneak a set. He might, Grigor sometimes gets tight um, and sometimes mm. can lose a set from a winning position that you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. just seen it. And I think that might, that's why maybe he hasn't won a slam yet, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Because he gets tied yeah. in some of those big moments, but yeah. the game is there; it's very complete. So, yeah. and and he's looked better and than he now... has in a long time, and he loves the conditions in Australia. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the next match? So yeah. moving on to the next match, I think Halep it's, and Serena. Uh, Ooh, the night yeah. session. Halep Serena. Yeah, this one's interesting Ooh. because they have. A, I looked at the head to head; it's nine and two in favor of Serena, but yeah, uh, Halep's gotten a couple of big ones though. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. final. It's a little bit different nowadays, yeah. too, right? It's not like Serena the is playing. The match that jumps out to me is the perfect the match that either. Simona played in the Wimbledon final in 2019, yeah. Uh, yeah. where she made three unforced errors in total and blitzed Serena off the court yeah. in 55 minutes. Yeah, and, and that was two. most recent, too. So Halep can take confidence from that. But I, I will say this time I'm leaving yeah. Serena a little bit for a couple of reasons. One, I've never seen her move as well as she's moving right now. Like, I watched her match against Sabalenka. Some of the defense in that match, I was quite surprised. The, mm-hmm. Some of the shots, she yeah. was, the way she was getting back into position, really stretched out in the outer thirds of the court, like, way off the court. And she was getting balls back that she wasn't able to get back, like, a year ago, I'm telling you. And mm-hmm. she was she was winning these points mm-hmm. on defense. Her serve was clicking in the big moments. She was raising her level against Sabalenka, who also played a really good match. So I, and that was a hard-hitting, mm-hmm. uh, really, really awesome, like, ball-striking match. That mm-hmm. ended with six four in the third for Serena, yeah. but I I just feel like this time, yeah, um, like she was able to get away with it against Fiontek, uh, winning the fir- losing the first set and then uh, coming back and kind of raising her game and uh, relying more on her movement and her um, her topspin. She was hitting a little bit flat against Fiontek and Fiontek was loving it in the first set, mm-hmm. but then she mm-hmm. raised her game and level is there and she believes more now. So I, I would say it's going to be a close match. I would say three sets. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like uh, mm-hmm. Serena, yeah, the, without the crowd, I think the cr- no crowd thing is actually helping Serena too. She's she's able to block yeah. out that mm-hmm. 24, 24 constantly, and I think she's in a good headspace. And I think she's moving a lot better. She yeah. need to move well against Halep. That's for sure because yeah. Halep will put you in these defensive yeah. positions. So I'm just yeah. leaving. And Halep is really good aggressively yeah. as well. She yeah. moves really well and it was able to hit hard. Um I think, man, I'm going to be honest, I haven't been able to watch any of uh, these two matches uh, this year's Australian mm-hmm. Open. Um, so it, I'm probably not even going to be able to watch this one either uh, because it's late. But um, I feel like the, the, the biggest question for Serena is always whether she's serving well or not. And uh, if she is, um, she has a chance to beat anyone yeah. on tour. Uh, and I think... Halep, for her, the secret is definitely going to be returning well and making sure to um, hold serve, at least in key moments. Uh, not necessarily every time, because she doesn't have the biggest mm-hmm. serve. Um, but it, it's going to come down to um, small small margins, I find. And I'm leaning Williams as well, because even though I said that it was going to come down to her first serve in, 
um, her percentage wasn't actually that big against Sabalenka. It wasn't it that high. It dropped off a lot in the second um, set, so, which she, she lost. Yeah. Um, that, that's another thing lost. also so, that yeah, I'm noticing it, with Serena is that she's going, so sometimes winning the first set and then not, even, not being able to sustain it. If you look at mm-hmm. her last few losses, yeah. they've all been after she's yeah. won the first set. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it, so she yeah. showed me something so, yeah. that it, it will, it will, it will match depends. that she yeah. was able to raise her level at the end of that third set, because it looked like yeah. Sabalenka was really yeah. going to snatch it from her, and she, yeah, she showed me something there defense wise and her serve. Like you're talking about her first serve, she wasn't missing any first serves in the last two or three games, service games of that third set. Yeah. So, I think that's going to be really key. Yeah. So which is which is. It's just sort of like when uh, it, it, when she lost to Azarenka. She was playing yeah. fantastic the yeah, first exactly. set and then lost. That's the, match. the one that but, comes yeah. to mind. So I'm, go- I'm going to say Serena because I, I do believe that she's a, a better player yeah. than Halep mm-hmm. in general. So I feel like this, if they're both finding their their shots, I think Serena Williams is, is just going to be mm-hmm. better at the end of the day. Yeah, so, I, 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 yeah. And I would, say, I would say Serena in yeah. three as well. Maybe she drops the, the first set. I, I agree with everything you said, Andre, but I think uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to say Halep gets enough balls back that mm-hmm. it'll put Serena off her rhythm eventually. Halep spent uh, a good amount of time chasing down Sviantek's uh, bazooka forehand in the last round, so I think she's, she should be sharp defensively. So I'm going to say Halep takes it in three. But okay. I, I agree that the match mm-hmm. is on Serena's racket. If she plays her best, she'll win. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now moving on to matches that are tomorrow. Quickly, how do you guys see the, the next matches? Who 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 is who is going to make the finals without okay, much yeah, without, uh, much match predictions? Yeah. Um, so without saying much, I would say um, I pick Medvedev to beat Rublev on the men's, hmm. and I, I also think um, Sitsipas has been getting closer to beating to figuring out Nadal, but not really. So I think like mm-hmm. it's it's six and one Nadal, but the last few matches have been tighter and. But I just feel like uh, over best of five sets, I feel like uh, it's not going to be... Uh, this matchup isn't favorable for Steph just yet. Uh, he can't mm-hmm. do some of the little things that Federer can, for instance, on his one-handed backhand, dexterity-wise and defense-wise mm-hmm. and on the return. So I think it's going to be four sets for Nadal. Mm-hmm. I have Nadal and Medvedev coming through in the semis. And I have a Medvedev getting to the final. Um, and then on the other half, I have... Mm-hmm. Um, Djokovic, that Zverev Djokovic match tonight, it's going to be intriguing. Like, it's going to be interesting because he's going to have to work a lot harder than he did against Raonic in baseline rallies. Yeah. And, uh, but I feel like he knows what to expect and he's going to be somewhat like 80, 85%, you know, and, you know, with those painkillers and might not be as big of a factor. So I think uh, Djokovic will get through that match. And I think he, he'll get through mm-hmm. Dimitrov as well. Um, and uh, I, I'm predicting a Djokovic Medvedev final, and I have uh, I, I predicted Djokovic to win it before the tournament. I said five sets Djokovic in the final, mm-hmm. but uh, this injury uh, changes it for me. I'm going to go with Medvedev in the final to win the title. Hmm. Yeah, and then on the women's side, I have uh, Osaka coming through, and so I have Osaka and Serena, and I have uh, Osaka getting to the final. I think she'll beat Serena mm-hmm. in the semis. Um, and then on the other half, I have Barty coming through. I think Barty will. Barty has an interesting one against Mukova. I think she'll get through that one, and then she'll play Brady. Um, that'll be a fascinating match. Um, but I'm going to go with Barty in three sets. And I have a Barty and Osaka final, and then I have Osaka winning. So, yeah. Those mm-hmm. are my picks. Yeah. Yep. How about I, you? I have, I have something very similar. I think... Um... 
So Zverev hasn't shown me anything that he, that makes me think he's capable of beating Djokovic on Rod Laver, mm-hmm. even if Djokovic is compromised. So I think Djokovic wins that. I think Nadal beats Tsitsipas. And then I think I think Medvedev beats Nadal, depending on Djokovic's condition. I think Dimitrov could get him, mm-hmm. but I'm not comfortable making that prediction. So I'll say Djokovic comes through, and then Medvedev beats Djokovic in the final. Um, I gotta stick with my original mm. pick, although it does seem weird to predict that Medvedev will beat Nadal and Djokovic back to back. At the same time, I it's still hard to see that happening. Then on the women's side, oh, I said uh, I think Hallett beats Serena. I think Barty will beat Mukova. Brady will beat Pagula, and then so then that would be that would be an Osaka Hallop semi. I think Osaka comes through that one. Um, and then I think I think Barty will beat Brady, and Osaka will beat party in the final i think yes. that was exactly was the same, same as you yeah. yeah except you you went with Helen yeah. beating serena so i like that all right, yeah. right yeah uh and as for me i will say for i will say i'll go along the same lines as you guys did I, i'm picking um dimitrov to get through karatev um i think i said this yeah. in, in three right yeah. is it and then uh, i'm gonna have uh djokovic oh, wait am i predicting the same matches that mm-hmm. yeah so I already predicted those. So Djokovic beating um, Dimitrov in the in okay. the semis and going through to the final. Um, probably would say Djokovic in four sets against Dimitrov. I think Dimitrov is going to get pretty inspired yep. in the semis. Um, then I would say Medvedev in, in, in five against Rublev. I'm going to mm. go. I'm, I'm hoping that one to go okay. the distance. And... Uh, Tsitsipas will lose to Nadal in four, I think. And I think Medvedev beats Nadal as well, which is basically the same pick as you guys having a Medvedev-Djokovic final. But I think Djokovic is going to show another level again um, against Medvedev and just kind of like making it click a little bit. Uh, another, It's kind of to Medvedev, like another chapter. Oh, I, I still need to get a, le- a level a little bit higher to to get to a slam um, champion winning um, you know, to to get the the, the bragging rights of being a, a Grand Slam champion, mm-hmm. anyway. so, and for the women's singles, what do I have here? I am going to say Brady Barty and in uh, the semifinals, and for the other semifinals, it's a uh, Osaka Williams, which I I think I predicted in the beginning as well, and um, for the top half, I'll say Barty. Barty beats Brady. I would say also in two. I think Barty is not going to drop a set until the final. This is my pick. Yeah. Uh, and then Osaka is going to beat her. His, she in um, three, three sets, I think I said. And uh, Williams also in three. And Williams is going to lose to Osaka. I think it's going to be in straight sets also. I think Osaka is going to do straight sets against right. Serena. Um. And in the end, I'm going to say Barty in three. Wow. Barty wins the tournament? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to be confident that Barty is going to be the Australian champion. Australia will go crazy. Hopefully there'll be a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I think they deserve it. They yeah. deserve a champion. Yeah. <laughs> After all, that, been that would be a nice reward for them executing the tournament yeah, successfully. What a shocker, Andre. You picked Djokovic to win his ninth Australian Open. How dare you? Okay. <laughs> What a surprise! What a surprising <laughs> result! The number one seed to win. Yeah. What a surprising! 
I mean, it, it seems like I'm going against the odds because you guys are not picking Djokovic <laughs> no, because he's yeah, injured. Yeah, yeah. Until he loses, you can't like because he's never lost a semi and he's never lost a final. So it's. I, I would I would still like to say I had Medvedev from the beginning, yeah. even before Djokovic got injured. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. I'm pretty sure I had Djokovic from the mm-hmm. beginning. I, I did had... have um, Osaka Azarenka, but since Azarenka lost <laughs> in the first round, I'm gonna I, go. I with rarely Barty. ever hedge, guys, but I hedge just because of that injury. I just feel like it, it's it has to be it, a factor. Right? It yeah, has to it's... be like it's it's yeah. only human. Yeah, yeah. It's just gonna it's gonna dinner. It's gonna, his dinner is gonna be painkillers yes. for the next couple of days. It's dates and painkillers and gluten free pasta and. Yeah, I think yeah. he's willing to put himself through anything right now to get. To get yeah, through. I then, remember Federer saying yeah. when he got to the 2017s, like, if I can't walk for another five months, that's all right. I'll give it all I have yeah. in the final. So. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, yeah. I'll just say really quickly, in the context of the slam race, this is huge. Because if yeah. e- even if Nadal doesn't get it, if Djokovic doesn't get it, it's after the French could be a gap of four. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Djokovic needs this to, to stay in touch. And if he doesn't win, it'll be yeah. over a year where he hasn't won a major as well. So, so momentum-wise, yeah. it's big, too. So I'm 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 really yeah, excited to times. see how this unfolds. Yeah, same. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to watch the the rest of the week yeah. and um, tonight's matches as much as I can. Uh, we still have about an hour and ten minutes before the next match start, which for you guys have time to have some dinner, eat something, and uh, go to the bathroom, something yeah. like that. I <laughs> and, will do uh, all those things. For everybody who's listening now, um, all those matches are already passed and uh, you know whether our picks went right or wrong. So let us know in the comments um, um, why do we think, uh, do you think that we were wrong or uh, we think we were right or something like that. Um, just talk to us on Twitter. We love talking. We love talking about tennis, not only in here, but also in the internets. So hit us up at uh, Tennis and Bagels on Twitter and Vansh is at VanshBTK. Owen is at Tennis Nation, and I am at Rollenberg. Andre, all of this is going to be in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you when the Australian Open is over, or maybe before the final. Uh, oh, I'd love to do a final so, uh, preview. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I- so, yeah, well, we'll let you know. So, uh, <laughs> stay in touch with us. So, follow us on our accounts. Uh, have a good one, and enjoy the Australian Open. Bye bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.